welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. .com. I'll throw a little radio guy in that one. Sometimes I do that off the top of the show. It's just I think it's just instinct. You listen to a lot of radio in your life, you start to become a radio guy when you get in front of a microphone. I don't want to be a radio guy. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be normal me talking soccer. That's what we do. We talk soccer. Big day for you on the program. Two excellent guests. Neil Morris will join us from WRALsportsfan.com. Talk some NASL, the results, the standings, the spring season, and expansion rumors out of Hartford, Connecticut. Could NASL be getting a team up there in Hartford. Uh, we'll be interesting to discuss that with Neil Morris in about 10 minutes. And then our friend Dave Martinez from EmpireOfSoccer.com will come on at 10.30 to discuss uh, the state of New York soccer, as always. Hashtag New York Soccer Wars. Uh, Red Bulls, obviously, doing fairly well. Haven't lost a game yet in the new season. The New York, uh, New York City FC, struggling a bit. David Villa missing out. Losing to Chicago on Friday. Jason Kreis's project, we'll talk about the state of that. And then maybe we'll throw in some Cosmos. Anything we don't cover with Neil Morris, we'll hit on with uh, Mr. Martinez. Because I think there's been, if I'm not mistaken, there's been a little bit of rumbling, some some chatter around that stadium project that the New York Cosmos want to put together for Belmont Park. I think there was a maybe a community meeting, something along those lines. I'm sure Dave will have all of the details. It's what he does and what he does better than anybody else up there in New York City. And... uh areas surrounding all right we've got some news today it's tuesday it's slow i put out a call on twitter for topics i may come back around to some of those things suggested by you guys hit us up at soccer morning if you want to participate that way we'll obviously have the phone lines open later in the show for you to talk about whatever is on your mind a couple of things for real madrid interesting to see that they are now considering that option to buy chicharito hernandez from Manchester United. Remember, he is on loan in Madrid. He's been in, he's been crucial to their Champions League and league form over the last two matches. And now they're considering whether or not to uh, exercise their option. This uh, my, my the reporting says this has to be done by Thursday. They have to make a decision by Thursday. I still think it would be better for Javier Hernandez to move on to find somewhere where he can play a lot more than he has been in Madrid. Yes, he's been the beneficiary of Kareem Benzema being out. But this is a player that needs to be on the field, especially for Mexico. I mean, for his form with Mexico, for his uh, chances to be a fixture in the Mexican side. So a move is probably still uh, still beneficial for him in the, in the long run. But we'll see what Real Madrid does here in the next couple of days. Uh, also, Martin Odegaard, the... Young Norwegian player who we've discussed on this show with David Cartledge, a player who may be a bit of a prima donna, refusing to train with his uh, with his youth side teammates and demanding to be part of the senior side training so that he can be close to Cristiano Ronaldo. All of these things coming out of Spain has been named to Real Madrid's most uh, most recent squad for their next league match. I-, I would just I would just wonder if this is a situation where hold on one second. I would just wonder if this is a situation where they're pandering a bit to the kid. Now, it's, at this point in the season, your squad is stretched. You've got a bunch of injuries. You need to fill things out. 
Is he ready? I mean, he's named to the squad. That doesn't mean he's going to step on the field. Uh, there's absolutely no, uh, th- there's no uh, requirement for Carlo Ancelotti to give him any playing time. But you have to look at it through a bit of a cynical lens. But they probably want to keep him engaged. Uh, there's a great story out of England if you haven't been paying attention to the championship, and I'll admit that it's a little bit off of my radar most of the time. AFC Bournemouth has effectively uh, uh, effectively uh, secured promotion to the Premier League alongside Watford. They are in second place in the championship with a massive goal differential and a three-point advantage with one game left. There's very little chance that they're going to be overtaken. Those two spots at the top of uh, the championship are automatic qualifiers to the to the Premier League. It looks like Bournemouth will join Watford. Their their story is interesting because it wasn't that long ago that Bournemouth was in a serious in serious financial trouble and, and was very close to dissolution. And here they are about to move up to the richest league in the world at the bottom of the ch- championship table. And I've told Trevor several times, and we're working on this. It's not his fault, but we're working on this. I want to do a full championship recap, a look at the season, a look at where things stand. Obviously, when you have Watford and, and Bournemouth effectively promoted, we've got uh, we also have playoff uh, promotion playoffs to consider in the championship. All stuff that we want to cover here on Soccer Morning in the very near future. Uh, for the time being, they are just a fantastic story with the financial difficulty that they previously. They previously had, uh, you know, and there's already talk. Oh, we're going to stay up. That's going to be something to watch, of course, next season um, as uh, Bournemouth moves up to the to the Premier League. Um, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at my system here and trying to get things to move. Um, I got a, co- a couple other bits of news um, on the uh, on the docket here. You got some games today: Hull City taking on Liverpool in the Premier League, Barcelona hosting Getafe. In La Liga, and you have a DFP DFB Pokal match between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. I think this is going to be the last time that Jurgen Klopp manages Dortmund against Bayern Munich as he gets ready to leave uh, Borussia Dortmund at the end of the season. Luis Figo is a candidate for FIFA president. I think he's probably going to lose, but the man's going all out uh, with his attempt to overtake Sepp Blatter for votes uh, at the next FIFA Congress next month he's going to be speaking to the uh asian football confederation and his plan is hey i want to expand the world cup vote for me and i i I can't help i'm not saying that luis figo is not a better candidate than sep blatter certainly change is good at some level considering how long blatter has been in charge and the state of fifa as it exists right now but when you look at figo's plan to expand the world cup it seems like a blatant like a blatant bit of pandering that he wants to go into a confederation that would benefit from a larger World Cup and attempt to, to gather votes that by, by that means. I still think it's not, again, it's not going to come to anything in the end because while uh, more World Cup spots is good for the Asian confederation on some level, there are only 10, so, 10 or so teams, maybe not even that, who could legitimately claim to be competing for those spots. Meanwhile, Sepp Blatter continues to grease the palms of all of these presidents from all of these tiny federations, and they're all in his pocket. FIFA presidential candidate Luis Figo hopes to convince delegates at this week's Asian Football Confederation Congress that a vote for him would boost the region's chances of more places in future World Cup finals. Uh, Figo told Reuters, 
before he left uh, for Thursday's Congress in the Bahrain capital of Manima that he also wanted more non-Europeans involved in working for FIFA, which should become more of a multicultural organization. Yes, certainly all the power right now held by, uh, by Europeans for the most part. FIFA, uh, FIFA's proposal for a larger World Cup is one of the cornerstones of his manifesto, and he intends to tell Asian delegates exactly how they can benefit from the plan. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily for a larger World Cup. That's what qualifying is for. You got all those qualifying matches. Maybe they use those to figure out a way to get into the World Cup. Uh, I know that the finals are the big show, and everybody wants to get there. But you water down that tournament too much, and it starts to lose some of the meaning. 32 teams is already a massive expansion over the past couple of decades. Montreal has signed an, uh, an, a goalkeeper. We talked about this um, in the aftermath of their first leg at the Azteca against Club America, that they lose Evan Bush due to a red card, a second yellow that he got in the tail end, the very, very end of that match down in Mexico. They have signed Christian Nicht from Indy 11. There was some speculation that Montreal would be dipping into MLS waters and attempting to create some sort of loan option. Uh, Sean Johnson's name was bandied about. In the end, they signed Christian Nicht. There's uh, a lot of people asking about whether or not uh, Montreal has the money to do this. I'm less concerned about that than I am about who's going to actually get the start. It's tomorrow night. We'll see how they do. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. When we come back, let's talk to Neil Morris about NESL. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning, joined now by Neil Morris to talk a little NASL. We've got some on-the-field topics, certainly, and a little off-the-field news as well. Neil, how are you, sir? Doing great. Always a pleasure to be here, Jason. I'm glad we've got a good connection. <laughs> we've had some <laughs> issues with Neil's connection, but it's he's here. He sounds fine. The phone is you know, still the most trustworthy of all options. Uh, Neil, uh, this is a, it's still very early in the NASL spring season, four games in for most teams. A couple of teams still on three matches, obviously, uh, due to the, the, uh, odd number of teams in the league at this point. Um, the New York Cosmos are at the top of the table, eight points through four matches. I'm not, that's not a surprise necessarily. They drew, uh, they had a, a goalless draw with Atlanta this weekend. Are they living up? to the expectations, and certainly, you know, when we talk about the Cosmos, we talk about Raul, we talk about Senna, we talk about that firepower that they have. Yeah, one of my one of all of our favorite things to do is to, to say, I told you so, and so I'm going to do that for just a, for a moment, because I remember one of the previous times I was on, we we talked about Raul and, and Senna and, and some of their firepower, but, uh, you know, the, the the backbone of that team that I, that I discussed uh, to everyone who would listen is, is their defense. Mm-hmm. And through four games, every other team in the league has given up four goals, five goals, six goals. Uh, Minnesota's given up three, but they've only played three games. Uh, Atlanta's only given up three. Uh, they've played four games. The Cosmos have allowed a single goal over four games. Uh, that's where they're winning their matches. Uh, they've only scored four goals. 
three of those assisted by, by Walter Restrepo, probably their best off-season off acquisition with all apologies to Raul. Uh, but they're, they're, they're chugging along. They haven't lost. They've drawn twice. They've won twice. And that defense is, is tough to deal with. Mm. Uh, the the draw at Atlanta was interesting because Atlanta is a team that a lot of well, some folks thought were going to be better uh, than advertised as a league-owned team that appeared to be on on death's door, and they have been playing well. They they won at Carolina uh, two Saturdays ago, uh, and they ground out a draw with the Cosmos, although they were outshot thirteen to one. Uh, and if you look at the highlights uh, and, and much of the game, which I did, uh, the Cosmos had plenty of chances. Marco Senna actually enjoys playing uh, in Atlanta, which for an aging European is, is interesting to hear considering the, the quality of the turf down there. But something about that surface and that setup suits his, his uh, dead ball skills. And he... Mm. He scored a bunch of goals there, including the game winner in Soccer Bowl 2013, mm-hmm. and he put two or three on frame Saturday, but just didn't find the net. Uh, Raul had a good attempt in the first half. Uh, the Cosmos certainly had their chances, uh, and they they had the better of, of Atlanta. But you know, all all credit to Atlanta for holding on and and getting another point and and staying within within shouting distance of the of the of the top team in the table, which as many expected, is New York. You mentioned the turf. Uh, it seems that Marco Senna, you know, as you said, an aging European, he's going to have some wear and tear, but it seems like he has adapted fairly well in his time with the Cosmos to some of the turf issues that are around the league and certainly at home there at Hofstra. Meanwhile, a lot of the talk around Raul is, is he's not adjusting very well, at least not yet. Is, is that an overwhelming concern for the Cosmos moving forward or... Uh, you know, it, this is just what they had to have to deal with with a player of his of his age and experience. Uh, probably both. Uh, you know, having Raul out there, I think he's performed well. He scored. He scored. Uh, he's creating chances. He draws a crowd, which gives space to other players. Uh, and they're, they're going to have to. Ex- but you know, when you bring in players of that age, you know, Senna appears to to have taken well to the grind of some of the surfaces in this league, which really aren't that bad for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he showed a lot of wear and tear last year, uh, which, you know, the Cosmos, that happens when you play a full season, I suppose. Uh, and I expect that the same thing may happen this year. Uh, but as we said before, Raul's big benefit uh, to, to New York and the greater league as a whole is going to be the fact that he's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is something that not many not a lot of people talk about, but it, it's it's beginning to sort of crystallize. Yeah, I'm not sure what the Cosmos attendance is going to be as the, as the league as the season grinds on. But what's what's becoming apparent is that at least during their first visit on the road, that the Cosmos are drawing crowds again. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are coming out to see Raul. Uh, there was over, and you can you can credit a number of other factors for this, but you know you're starting to see a trend when you get. 10,000 for the first game at Lockhart. And then, of course, you got 10,000 the second game at Indy 11. They always have 10,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they, they go to Atlanta, where they, they, they went home for week three, and then in Atlanta, uh, where they can advertise getting 5,000, and you see about 500 in the stands. Mm-hmm. There was a legitimate crowd there this week. Those stands were full, and there was standing room only. So 
You know, the interesting thing about Raul, I'm sure there's a benefit on the field of the Cosmos, but what's becoming apparent is that there is a tangible benefit to these other teams around the league when he comes to town. Yeah, certainly a big name can do that. Um, MLS rode that way for a while there, and it's benefited them. We'll see if the NASL can do the same. Let me flip over to Atlanta before we move on to some other games. You mentioned league-owned, and the Silverbacks have had some some tumultuous years. Um, it, it you know, <laughs> Obviously, Eric Winalda being involved, uh, some of the... Uh, some of the coaching issues, flipping those those names around pretty uh, pretty consistently, you know. Now there's the the looming specter of MLS coming to town in a couple of years. What is the general state of the Silverbacks? And you said that they they're something of a surprise, despite the uh, you know despite all of those issues. Are are they, you know, are they going to be able to build something that that carves out enough of a niche? that they can continue to, to truck on here? Or, or what would you imagine that the NASL is going to have to do come 2017? Well, as far as, you know, the upgrades that they, you know, we discovered before we came on the air that maintaining a, an Internet connection by Skype just for <laughs> appearing on a talk show is tough enough, much yeah. less coaching a team by one. <laughs> um, it, uh, to, you know, the, the answer to your second question, you know, my intuition is that Atlanta is, you know, probably in their current form, not long for this world. Uh, will they be around this year? Certainly. Or are they going to be around next year? Maybe. Um, but carving out a niche uh, sufficient for Division Two, at least any ASL status, with an MLS team coming to town and the big dome and and everything else is just is not something that a lot of people anticipate. Now, if you talk to the league, I'm sure they would say certainly. There's no reason why we can't do that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can talk about the market size of Atlanta all you want to, and it is a big market, but it's a different market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they like front runners. And, you know, it's not like the Silverbacks have been uh, spinning the turnstiles traditionally. Uh, and the league is not going to continue to fork over money to keep this mm-hmm. team in existence. And, and I would suspect that the likelihood of finding uh, – requisite owners of sufficient net worth to maintain this team in the Atlanta area is unlikely. You know, could you see the team folding and, and reemerging as perhaps a USL affiliate? Uh, that's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not in the same name, uh, but maybe in, in, in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but as far as this year's concern, you know, Gary Smith come in and, and, is, and knows his team and is, is doing quite well. And he's had, you know, the, the big three of Jaime Chavez, Matt Horth, and Hans Dennison were supposed to be the the keys to this team. But, you know, they're only playing one of those at a time. And they've got guys like Jonathan Okafor and, and of course, Shaka Bangora, who have been tremendous, and Kyle Porter, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. So Gary Smith knows his team, and he knows their limitations, and, and right now they're grinding out results. So on the field, things are, things are going better, much better than expected. Mm-hmm. Beyond this year, it's still a huge question mark. Uh, Gary Smith team grinding out results, you don't say. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's move down to Florida, Neil. Uh, Jacksonville losing to Tampa Bay 3-2. The Rowdies under Thomas Rongan um, scoring goals, it looks like. what's uh, you know What kind of flavor does that match have in, in year one, and, and how good are the Rowdies under Rongan at this point? They're a fascinating team to me. They they continue to be, and and maybe for reasons that a lot not a lot of people even look at or, or care about. I mean, they're sitting in second place at seven points right now. Um, 
two wins, a draw, and a loss. Uh, they had a tough little New Florida derby with, with Jacksonville, Macon Santos, who didn't even start the the the, the season on the field. Uh, uh, played uh, 77 minutes and scored two goals. Uh, one of them a penalty, and one of them the ultimate game winner. The Rowdies, you know, it sounds like a refrain every time I talk about them, but they're so loaded. I mean, they've, they've got more salary on their game day inactive roster than many teams do on their entire payroll. I mean, Brad Russell hasn't even darkened the bench yet. Uh, Brian Shriver is, is barely set foot on the field. But, you know, it's like we said, Thomas Rongen is going with who he believes his hot hands are, and everything seems to be working. Uh, at the moment, uh, you bring in somebody like, you know, Macon Santos, who didn't even start the season, and he gets two goals. Uh, Camille Shantafalski has a bit of a, a tough game against Jacksonville, allowed two goals, one of them pretty regrettable in the first half. He gets injured literally at the, at the beginning of, of second half added time, and they, they, they bring in Matt Pickens <laughs> yeah. in the first minute of seven minutes of, of of extra time, and he all he does is make three saves during or during added time. I mean that's what's yeah. going on in Tampa right now, uh, and you know the fan base has has been re-energized. Uh, the field is a lot better than it used to be. That's that's a big deal for players both away and home. Uh, but you know they've got so much firepower. You know you got a guy like Darnell King who's a an, an all star. Right back who starts the who starts the last game on the bench, mm. Corey Herzog, same thing. So, I mean, it's kind of like you know, you know, you know, take a spin and see who comes up as a starter for the game. And that, you know, I think the Rowdies are going to continue to challenge for that lead the entire season just through their sheer talent and ability. What what accounts for uh, what accounts for that investment? What accounts for the spending spree that the Rowdies went on? Ahead of this year, I mean, they finished what? They finished seventh in the spring, eighth in the fall, and overall seventh uh, with the with the combined table last year. Is that is it just a matter of hey, we want to be competitive, and that's how we're going to get people in the stands? Well, it's all part of, and again, there's 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 I'm sure there's particulars that that we could go into at greater length, but it just goes into the overall development plan of Bill Edwards, who acquired the team uh, last year and has done. You know, he's been involved in you know a lots of different. Uh, entertainment and 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 retail development down in the St. Petersburg area, and the area where Alang is located is is an area where he's attempting to develop, and he looks at the Rowdies uh, as as an anchor for part of that. And so, you know, he's poured in money and various non-soccer related projects in and around that area. Mm. Uh, acquired a bar that's now like a, a Rowdies themed bar nearby the stadium. Uh, it's just an overall de- development plan on his part uh, to develop that area, and he's, you know, he finally got control of Outlying Stadium and, and poured millions of dollars into renovating that during the off season. Which, you know, there's no better setting for a game in this season. I mean, in this league uh, than Outlying, despite its baseball configuration. And now, the long-term aspirations of Tampa are, are, are a curious question. Right. I mean, there are you, you keep hearing. Uh, nuggets floating. Most recently, there was a, a podcast interview with Thomas Rongen this week where he sort of 
let out of the bag that Bill Edwards has MLS aspirations, Woo. which it's always interesting and, and sort of a curious thing when an NESL team admits to that. Yes. Um, so I, I suspect Edwards has bigger, wider ambitions, and it's just a matter of whatever he's allowed to do. But I, it looks as though he's going to spend the money uh, to do it. But I, but I think the Rowdies are a piece of a broader development plan, and that's why he's, he's pouring the money into the team. And part of that is putting a winning product on the field. And, we'll, we'll, again, we'll see about the long-term viability of that, depending on if he stays in Division Two or not. Yeah, interesting to consider whether they have MLS aspirations. That's the first question anybody asks when an MLS team, I'm sorry, an NASL team starts to do things like spend a lot of money or renovate a stadium or – uh, you know, uh, I, I, it's not punching above their weight necessarily, but it's certainly if you stand out in NASL, people want to know. I didn't catch that. That's interesting news. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's go around the league just briefly. Some other results. Fort Lauderdale, who's in, uh, third place on six points, tied on third place in six, uh, with six points, went to Ottawa and got a 3-1 win. Uh, the, the Fury, um, how good are they? And, and, and are the strikers, you know, this is a, a team with a lot of turmoil as well. Ronaldo comes in, new ownership. Are they are they on a right track to to be a competitive team? Uh, Fort Lauderdale is a competitive team. I mean, they they've got two wins, two losses. Uh, I've watched a couple of their games, including the one against Ottawa this weekend. They're a well coached team. Uh, there's very little panic. Uh, technically sound. Uh, They've got some skilled players. Uh, they don't have any world beaters, and that's why they're going to lose as, probably as many as they as they win. Uh, but, but they're a tremendous team. Uh, Jose Angulo had two goals for Fort Lauderdale, uh, one in the 41st, one in the 90th. The, he was the, essentially the player of the game, mm-hmm. although the goal of the game was Marlon Fritas, who had a, a, a wonderful curler in the 64th from kind of all out on the left that, sailed over the keeper's head and, and ended up in the far net. Uh, they outplayed Ottawa. Now, you can look at the statistics, and it, it shows a much tighter game. But, you know, I've seen two of Ottawa's four games. One was at Carolina, and and one was Saturday against Fort Lauderdale. And they're they're an odd team. They, they beat Minnesota United a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, which we'll see if that ends up being as notable as, as we thought it was at the time. But... Ottawa's a Ottawa's a capable opponent, but they're, they're really getting beat in the midfield right now. And if they don't get off to, to fast starts in these games, they they really get behind the eight ball and, and have a hard time catching up. Uh, and that's kind of what happened with Fort Lauderdale. They got the first goal in the forty first. Uh, and and while I think you know while I think Ottawa is not a poor team. Uh, you know, I didn't think that the talent they had acquired in the offseason was such that it was going to push them to the top of the table, and, that, and that's what's happening. I don't see Fort Lauderdale staying where they are. I mean, they're they're sitting tied for third right now. I just can't believe that the the talent level they have is going to sustain that. But at the, at the same time, if you take the Cosmos and the Rowdies out of the equation. You know, the other teams that they're in the mix with right now are Edmonton, Carolina, Atlanta, and Indy 11. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to figure Minnesota United is going to come around at, at some point. They've only played three games. But even still, that's the, that leaves another playoff spot. So mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale's in that mix. I just don't know whether over the grind of the season they're going to have the, the talent level. Leo Mora didn't play, by the way, 
in that game Saturday and the, the few games he's played so far, he looked very capable. So they're, they're one of those competitive teams, and they're, they're, that's kind of the theme across the league is that every, there's no guineas this year, uh, at least not at this point. It may shake out that way, but not right now. Yeah, speaking of that, a couple of other draws um, in the results, Indianapolis, Indy 11 won, Carolina Railhawks won, uh, as you said, Indy 11 still drawing strongly. Are they improved? Are they much improved over last year? Are they just enough to be, you know, a, a, a bubble playoff team? Where Where's Indy 11 in their progression? Well, yeah, I picked them to be one of the worst teams in the league, and here they are sitting here with a win and three draws. And also, they're, they're, again, they're sort of like Fort Lauderdale. Their personnel, their personnel doesn't, doesn't strike me as anything dramatic. Uh, and in watching the game Saturday, I thought they outplayed the, the Redhawks for the most part, but, uh, near the end of the game, they seemed to get fatigued and Carolina sort of settled down and started getting some chances and ended up getting a very late, uh, equalizer from Blake Wagner, his second goal of the young season, by the way. Um, you know, I don't know. Could they stay in that mix? Sure. Uh, you know, they they don't have any again they don't have any of these players that that knock your socks off. I mean Charlie Rugg is is a good player and Wojcik is a good player, but I I just think over the long haul of the season I just don't see how their lineup is going to sustain. I could be wrong. You know, at some point that that home field advantage is is going to is going to going to foment. You know, the big question immediate right now is what their goalkeeper situation is going to be. Right. Uh, yeah. Kristen Nish is on his way to, to Montreal on a transfer. I have no inside information on this whatsoever. So as, as with that disclaimer, you know, I think I'd, I'd be curious to see whether a loan deal yeah. emerges out of this. Yeah. Uh, because I can't imagine that Indy 11, no matter what the transfer fee was, is going to get rid of their, their starting goalkeeper right here in the heart of the spring season. So, you know, if, if they get niched back, then they can keep chugging along. If, if he's truly gone, then that ends up being a big question mark for a team that already has personnel issues. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Peter Wilt made some comments, said, oh, this is a deal that works best for everybody involved. It seems it seems to me that we may see niched back in Indy, Indianapolis on loan from the impact sooner rather than later. And then this is uh, exactly what it looks like cover for the Champions League, which is coming, coming up tomorrow night. Uh, Minnesota United and, and San Antonio played to a 2-2 draw. They're at the foot of the table right now, these two teams. Now, they've only played three games, so they are a game behind the leaders. But these are, these are two of the better organizations, two of the better teams uh, historically uh, in the NASL over the last couple of seasons. Are, are we gonna, you said you expect a Minnesota United turnaround. Where are the Scorpions? Uh where a lot of folks in the know said they were going to be, uh, and I think this is something else that we mentioned at one of the previous occasions that people who know a lot more about these things than I do had told me sort of off record <laughs> that if they had to pick a team that was going to take a, take a, suffer a swoon this year, that it was San Antonio. They just lost too many key pieces. They had heard of turmoil behind the scenes going on there. Uh, and, and, and while they're not playing poorly, uh, they've got a lot, they've got a draw and two losses out of their first three results, and two of those were on at home. Mm. Uh, now they got a two-two draw with Minnesota, which, by the way, was the game of the weekend. I mean that that was a tremendous match. Uh, it starts off in the eighth minute with Zorog 
Sister Itzi scoring a 65-yard goal over a, mm-hmm. a over Sammy DeJock off his line. Uh, public uh, Miguel Avara gets back on form, splits two defenders, and sends a, a, a cross that finds Pablo Campos' head in the 34th. Uh, and then the refereeing starts in the second half. Uh, one penalty against the bar that wasn't given, and then one against Johnny Steele that was. Both of those debatable. Christian Ramirez gets a, a PK out of that, which puts Minnesota ahead, and and they are firing on all cylinders. I mean, they, you know, they they outshot uh, San Antonio uh, thirteen to four. Mm. Uh, and it looked for all intents and purposes that this was going to be a rout. Uh, and then at the death, there's a, a ball into the box that Zami Dijak rushes out, punches the ball, and then on his downswing gets Cesar Elizondo in his head, and the, and the, the referee whistles a penalty, which sends everybody into pandemonium around a, a, a well-attended uh, NFC stadium. And Castillo gets a penalty, and they they end up with a two-two draw. I, I think San Antonio may be what we're seeing right now. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, and losing and begets losing, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see them maintain themselves at the bottom of the table, uh, which is, again a lot of people mm-hmm. had said, and I think that may be the team that they are. Minnesota's just got too much talent, and it's and it's not like they're playing poorly; they're playing well. Uh, but they've only got three games into the season, and yeah. two of those are draws. So I don't think it's panic time for Minnesota yeah. yet. But I think on a personnel basis, I think there's some questions that have to be answered. And there's a good, the good article on Northern Pitch today that addresses some of those things, including the fact that when trying to grind out a 2-1 win on Saturday, that Manny Lagos used exactly one substitution for the entire game Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, for a team that has a very talented bench. Mm. So. I think Minnesota's going to come around, but it, it bears watching to see how that goes, too. Uh, very quickly, I've got, got a minute or two here, Neil, but there are rumors out of uh, Hartford that they may be interested in bringing an NASL team to that city. It certainly seems to me like the perfect sort of fit for an NASL market. I'm not saying that it would be successful, but what does this, uh, you know, what does this say about where NASL is right now? Because we just got done talking about Atlanta, which may or may not be long for this world. And rather than grow, NASL has just had to try to tread water. Is is Hartford a, an opportunity to do that? Sure, uh, I agree that I think it would be a fantastic market, especially for you know Division Two NASL. Uh, you know, whenever these article, you know, whenever these articles and this articles about Hartford pop up. You know, it seems like every other week, uh, and I always reference and see if Bill Peterson is quoted, and to see what the nature of his quotes are, to see if they've materially changed from the last article. And the one that we saw, I think, yesterday, was it any different? It sounded like he said that he thought this was a great market, and it's got a very strong fan base. And now it's about finding the right fit from an ownership point of view, mm-hmm. which tells me they're still looking for owners. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and I think that's probably no different than a few other markets that NASL has been known to be exploring, such as San Francisco uh, and a few others. So you, know, you never know. I mean, NASL has done a pretty good job the last maybe 12 months of keeping their expansion situation a little closer to the vest. Uh, but again, you know, I reported an L.A. expansion that was literally days from being announced back in December, and then it fell through. So... 
I don't think we know anything until it's announced, and in the case of Oklahoma City and Virginia, not even then. So, you know, NFL. The one thing I'll say, we we talk about NFL treading water. I think, I think the treading water has to do more with with what's leaking out the bottom than what's being poured into the top. Okay. I mean, you know, you know, Ottawa and and Indy Eleven are strong expansion franchises. Yes. Jacksonville looks like a strong expansion franchise. Yes. Uh, but when Atlanta's you know, on, on 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 having trouble and Minnesota may be out the door to MLS in a few years, I mean that that's the problem. And, and solving that leak, if there's a way to do it, is 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 the real quandary for the league. Mm. Neil Morris, WRAL SportsFan.com. Go read his stuff on uh, the Railhawks and other NASL topics. Neil, appreciate your time. Buy Neil Morris on Twitter, by the way. Appreciate your time. Good to have you. We'll talk to you soon. Always fun, Jason. Thanks for having me. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will grab Dave Martinez from EmpireOfSoccer.com and shift our attention to New York City and the three teams playing professional soccer up there. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning. Turns out Dave Martinez, rather busy individual. He's got a life outside of soccer, believe it or not. I wonder what that's like. So he is not available at the moment. We will talk New York soccer perhaps a different time. Instead, let's open up the phone line, 646-832-832. 3909. Call up to talk to Trevor, and then if you want to, you can talk to me too. Maybe we could talk about the international. What is this? What does ICC stand for again? I, I care so little about this tournament. International Champions Cup. And, and uh, is it even fair to call it a tournament? It's a glorified series of friendlies in which we try to, uh, try to gin up some comp- competitive edge. I mean, I, there's value here. I know people love seeing these big European clubs come to the United States. I know we haven't quite satisfied the urge to see a Manchester United and a Real Madrid, and I guess Porto's involved in this tournament as well. But the schedule is out. Released Tuesday. That's today. Sites in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, all included for, for the matches. That include uh, teams like Chelsea, Manchester United, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, and Porto. Rensselaer Field in Hartford, Red Bull Arena, StubHub Center, Central League Field, Avaya Stadium, FedEx Field, Levi's Stadium, the Rose Bowl, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, uh, Soldier Field, BMO Field, Estadio Azteca, will all host matches between July 11th and August 5th. In addition to the marquee matchups of Europe's top teams, who will obviously be in their preseasons, MLS teams will play against each other. LA will host, or LA will play, sorry, these European teams as well. LA will host Barcelona. New York will host Chelsea and Porto. San Jose will play Club America. 
The Earthquakes will also play Manchester uh, Manchester United, although we don't know where that game will be yet. Are you are you jazzed for these tournaments? Are you are you excited? Twitter gets buzzing. It, it happens. I mean, again, there's still demand for these things. People still want to go see these big European teams come in, even if they're just walking through the going through the paces, even if they're just barely getting into first gear. It's still exciting to see them come to the United States and play, well, each other, but also MLS teams. And, and there's somebody's passing around. I think Dan Dickinson, our friend Gothamist Dan on Twitter, was passing around something that said MLS league results will factor into the standings. So for the MLS teams taking part, San Jose, New York, LA, those teams' games against each other will be part of the ICC standings. LA and New York just played. So how would they get a point? I mean, what's happening here? That's already, it's, a, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I think we try too hard with these things. But again, the tickets get sold. People go out, wear their jerseys that don't belong to either one of the teams on the field. <laughs> and just have a good time. It's soccer convention time in America. Summer is is Comic-Con time. Only for soccer. That's what we've got with these friendlies. I, I may not care about them. You may not care about them. But the 50,000 tickets that they'll sell for a game or... Uh, it, some of these games are in smaller venues, obviously. But the 50,000 tickets that they'll sell say that there's still demand for these games in the United States. Lots of people in this country still value Manchester United, still root for Manchester United, ahead of anything that's happening in this country. They don't give a rat's whatever about San Jose or Dallas or Houston or D.C. United. they got to watch Manchester United every weekend. And then when Manchester United comes into town in the summer and is playing reserves that will never see the field in a Premier League match, get excited. 75 bucks for tickets. Yes, please. Sign me up. Where can I do that? Where can I do that? Get in 646-832-3909. Couple other topics on uh on my mind. I saw these I I saw uh, the story about the crow attacking the Lazio eagle. Did you guys see that? The crazy crow who attacked the Lazio Eagle in mid-flight. I love that story. I mean, it's barely related to soccer, but it's the mascot of Lazio. And, you know, we all know that Lazio's got a reputation. You know, their fans are trouble. And it's kind of just uh, crazy to see a, a crow with no business trying to take down an eagle going after that bird. Bill in New York, what's up? What's up, Jason? I figured since you lost Dave, I would talk about a few New York topics. All right. You, 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 um, go ahead. One thing, that international break, I hate it that they're doing after those games. Now my, uh, we were supposed to play Columbus, no, not Columbus, Colorado in July. They moved that game to this Wednesday night. So now this Wednesday night, we're going to miss the Montreal game because we have to be at Red Bull Arena watching the Colorado game where there's going to be 5,000 people in the stadium. Right. So that they can schedule this. I think it's a money grab for Red Bull these games or for MLS. Sure, sure. It's not a game I care about. I I want to watch the MLS games. I'd rather watch 
Red Bulls versus Colorado that weekend than whoever we're playing Chelsea, I think it is. You got, you, got, you got Chelsea on Wednesday, and then you got Porto on the following Sunday. Both the Red so Bull Arena. Porto game, I guess, while we had a change. Because we were playing that Saturday night against Colorado, and they switched it to this yeah, Wednesday coming you, up. You know, and again, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to see teams like L.A., and San Jose in this tournament. And I imagine Jesse Marsh is going to follow along with the, the same kind of thinking process that, that Bruce Arena and Dom Kinnear have because they don't want to be doing this. You know they don't want to. They, yeah. they understand it's a necessary evil. It brings attention to the club. It, it makes them money. You know, L.A. is going to play Club America at the StubHub Center. That's an automatic sellout, 27,000. They're going to play Barcelona at the Rose Bowl. They're probably going to get close to a hundred thousand for that match. I mean, they'll, they'll sell a lot of tickets for that match. LA will get a good portion of it. It'll go into the coffers. It helps with the academies. All of those things. And yet, you know, Bruce Arena is just got God damn it. I don't want to have to mess with this. I don't want <laughs> right, to. You're right. Definitely. So what? What do you expect? Well, how do you expect Jesse Marsh to to deal with it when he's got again? He's got a good team, a team that can make some noise. He's in his first year. He's overcoming that obstacle of not being Mike Pecky. And here in July, when things are the hottest, when things are the the, the hardest, when, when players are injured and fatigued, he's got to figure out a way to get two teams on the field in a span of five days to play against Porto and Chelsea. I, I don't know. What, did he, what does he do? Yeah, and I'm sure that they told him, too, you have to have your A squad out there. You can't throw out a B squad for these games because everybody's going to be watching. We want you to throw out your A squad. And now these guys get hurt playing this well, meaningless yeah. game. I would love for I would love for Jesse Marsh or Bruce Arena, Dom Kinnear, whoever. I would love for them to put out a C team and then get waxed and then go, hey, I don't care about this game. I don't. I'm not putting I'm not putting my guy would, there's certainly pressure from the organization. You know Red Bull and and certainly AEG and uh and who uh, Wolf up in San Jose. They're gonna be calling their coaches saying, You play some of our, our biggest stars because we want to represent well. And the coaches are going, no, I, I don't care if it's 10 nothing. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Can I throw one more thing at you? Yeah, absolutely. What about the, I mean, Red Bulls this year, and I'm a season ticket holder, I've been to every game. This last game against LA, they probably had about 18,000. I think it's probably the first time that a Red Bull LA game didn't sell out. Yeah. That I can remember. You know, they sell out every one of these games, and they didn't sell out this game when we're playing good. We're playing great. Everybody's calling us one of the best teams in the league, and we couldn't sell out this game. Yeah. And one of the things I think is that now we have three professional teams in New York. I think it's too much. And would this be the craziest idea ever? Because I think Red Bull is up for sale. The Cosmos buying Red Bull. It's not going to happen. I just don't. I don't think it's going to happen. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But let's start with the very basic reason that the owners that are currently in MLS who would have to approve the Cosmos buying the Red Bulls are just going to say no. It's just not going to happen. And, and so what? You're going you're gonna to have the Cosmos uh, rebrand the Red... Take over the franchise rights, rebrand the Red Bulls, take over Red Bull Arena, rename it Cosmos Stadium or whatever, and buy into the single entity when they've done all this... Uh, they've built this entire construct of how they want to be independent. They want to be able to spend money the way that they see fit. They don't want to have a piece of the pie. They want to own their club outright. I, don't, I just don't see it happening, Bill. I, I just think they're going to realize that I know that's what they want to do, and they think NASL is going to take off or something like that. Somehow they're going to make a money through NASL. It's, it's not going to work. They have to get to MLS. And I see no other way for them to get to MLS because you can't have three teams in New York 
playing in MLS. Well, you just and, you you can't. Well, certainly you can't have three MLS teams in New York. That there's not enough demand for that. But whether or not whether or not M- Cos- the Cosmos are ultimately going to be angling for MLS is entirely up to again whether or not one of those franchises is available. And there's no way NYCFC is changing hands anytime soon. So it's completely up no. to the Red Bulls, as you said. It's 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 whether or not the Cosmos how how committed they are to NASL, how committed they are to being an independent, completely independent club in a way that MLS clubs just are not. I mean that that's that's what it comes down to. And they have they have a reputation, they have a profile around the world, Bill, that trumps anything any MLS any MLS team has right now. I mean I think that's a, a fact oh. that, that people have to recognize. And that's a good reason for them to hold out. I mean, they can they can weather a storm that some of these other NASL teams can't. Why you might hear the rowdies talking about MLS because really that's that's they're gonna have to go that far if they if they have aspirations they're gonna have to go for MLS. The Cosmos can build something now. The league may pull them da- back a little bit if it doesn't get a lot stronger, but they can sell a lot of jerseys. They can sell a lot of jackets and hats, and they can if they can get that stadium built, they can make MLS look bad on some level. But I, I agree with you with that. But doing this, NASL is definitely going to pull them down. To play in the second division in the United States, you're going to lose it. You know, you have to be in the first division. They have to be in the top division. And I believe the Cosmos should. And I would love to see them come on up. I would love to see them take over Red Bull. Mm. You know, I, I don't think Red Bull cares that much. After the whole thing, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the whole pecky thing. But after, like, right now with sales, ticket sales are down. I get emails from... Philadelphia, from Chicago, from all around my area, because I've been to one game all the time. I never get anything from Red Bull. Hmm. You know, I, I think they're up for sale. I don't think they're not fully invested in this team. They don't have a big name DP. They have one, but it's not a big name DP. And I think they are. And I, the Cosmos, they can't get to see the uh, stadium bill. Buy Red Bull. Come over. It's a beautiful Man, that, that... stadium. Rename the team. It's already been done once. We can do it again. Yeah, you know what? That would be interesting. Thanks for the call, Bill. I appreciate it, man. That would be interesting to you see what what the reaction from Red Bull fans would be. Red Bull fans out there, hit me up on Twitter at Soccer Morning. What would the, what would your reaction be in a world where the New York Cosmos and the ownership group behind that team bought the rights, the the franchise rights to the New York Red Bulls, switched the name to the Cosmos, rebranded that stadium, changed the colors effectively wiping out the Red Bull history. Because you can make an argument that there's a through line between the Metro Stars and Red Bull if only because the uh, there there is no other club identity. I mean, there was no pre-existing Red Bulls team that, that bought into MLS. That was created as a, as a way to, to brand the team with a corporate identity. There is a pre-existing Cosmos history. So you you would be consumed as a New York Red Bulls team you would be consumed by everything that is the new york cosmos meaning going back into the 60s and 70s and then things that they have done in the in in this current iteration now that's all that stuff doesn't measure up all the current stuff doesn't measure up but they they've made some moves they've obviously done some things and been proactive they are still chasing around chasing this this stadium option which again is i mean this is dragging on for years now I'm looking at a, a story from Newsday from a couple days ago. Hempstead Town Supervisor Kate Murray raised eyebrows last week as she presented a citation to soccer great Pele as the New York Cosmos opened their season at, at Hofstra University's, Hofstra University's James M. Short Stadium. 
Was Murray getting behind the Cosmos plan to build a 25,000-seat stadium, 75-room hotel, and retail complex at Belmont Park? Not yet, says her spokesman. We have not taken a stand on the project, but it's still there. It's still out there. It's still floating around. The New York State Commission, whoever's in charge, hasn't decided yet. They're, They're dragging their feet. And what Bill says, it might make sense in in a world where everything is equal, where both parties could see the benefits, certainly if Red Bull, and I'm not I'm not jumping to this conclusion, but if Red Bull is actively looking to sell rather than just being sitting there waiting for somebody to make a big big giant offer, because as as Auntie says on Twitter, every MLS club is uh, is for sale if you offer enough, sure. But if Red Bull is actively looking to get out of the American soccer business then the Cosmos would make sense as a potential buyer, again, of those rights. But I think you've got enough discontent between the parties involved, meaning MLS, MLS HQ, the owners around MLS, and the Cosmos and their and their principles, that I just don't think it's a marriage that would ever work. Tim on Twitter, it's funny hearing a Red Bull fan. I'm changing your, I'm editing your tweet, Tim. Wanting the Cosmos to take over the Salzburg team. Thanks, Bill in Brooklyn. Too funny. Okay, well, I mean, again, I think what Bill's looking for is a an ownership group who's committed to turning the Red Bulls into what they what he thinks they should be. A team that can sell out a game against the Los Angeles Galaxy. A team that can actually compete on the field, make enough noise in the league to become one of the top teams. A team that is celebrated in the way that we celebrate L.A. or Seattle or Portland. Or, you know, any of these teams, I mean, clearly this year, Orlando's getting a lot of love because of the number of people they're putting in the seats and the amount of energy around that team. I, th- I know this is going to, this is it's a little ironic. Doesn't seem to be a lot of energy around the Red Bulls outside of maybe that core group of fans. And they're committed and they're there and they stayed there and give them full credit for that. And 18,000 is a number that a lot of teams would take, but you are the New York Red Bulls. You do have a beautiful stadium to play in, to call your own. You have an opportunity to to build out what you are in that market. I don't care if it's Jersey or New York. I understand the reasons why people on the other side of the river don't travel, but you've got enough of a base there to do something really big. And as Bill said, there seems to be this pullback from Red Bull corporate, from the owners of the team. We're not going to spend money on a Thierry Thierry Henry-like figure anymore. We're going to do this youth thing. We're going to sign a lower-level DP like a Sasha Kleshton. Is he a DP? No, I'm sorry. Bradley Wright Phillips is a DP now. Sasha Kleshton is not. We're going to go after this mid-level talent in terms of the money, in terms of the profile. They're very good players. They are very good players. We're going to get Felipe Martins in a trade rather than go outside MLS and attempt to sign some sort of big-name talent. And again, the fact that they are good is some solace when the other team, when the new team across the river in, in, in the Bronx is spending that kind of money. Because leading into 2015, the talk out of the New York market, the New York Soccer Wars hashtag, erupted because the Red Bulls were the team not doing anything on that front. We felt like they had to. How do you keep up with New York City FC? Well, you better sign somebody big. You better attempt to steal some of that spotlight. They're not doing that. Is that hurting them? Let's go uh, another call from New York. Corey in Brooklyn. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Jason? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's, what's uh, You want to talk Red Bull, too? 
<laughs> I, I just I want to provide some uh, some sanity to oh. the conversation that's going on right now. Wait, wait are you yeah, saying? So oh, wait, what's the on. other call? <laughs> well, go on, Jason. Now, are, are you implying that Bill's a little insane? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think you might be a little bit too, Jason. But just uh, just to add on there, you know, I was there at Sunday's match too. Uh, you know, just like to stay still undefeated. Want to give a shout out to everybody in the South Ward. Uh, singing loud and proud. The crowd looked really great. Upper ball was really filled, too. Uh, attendance is up 5% at this point since last year, too, so I really don't know what people are talking about not showing okay. up. Right. Given all the schedule changes and, uh, you know, the as they're saying on the uh, Red Bull Facebook groups, too, the unfamily-friendly start times, um, people are still there. Okay. The fan support Fair is enough. still there. Fair enough. I, I do like getting the other side, Corey. I'm glad you called in. Let me ask you about the ICC and how you feel about that. Bill was was complaining about moving that Colorado match. Is that a concern for you? Well, no. You know, I'll, I'll be. I'll, well, you know, I'm a diehard, so like, I'm definitely going to be there on Wednesday. But you try to drive around <laughs> that area of Jersey, and at five o'clock, yeah, you know, it's a main thoroughfare into you know into New York City proper as well. So you know. To get there, at, to get there at seven o'clock on weekdays, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass. It yeah. definitely is, and it's a huge deterrent for people to show up. Yeah. So you know what? If there is going to be a bad crowd for one thing, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not going to the ICC matches. <laughs> there's no, there's no reason for me to go and see like Porto Seaside play, uh, play our boys. You know, and I totally agree with you. You know what you were saying about what Martian Arena should do. You know, there's no reason in the really literally in the heat of our season uh to be putting uh putting out a team out there to yeah to play a bunch of reserve yeah. side guys it's ridiculous yeah, we, it's it's just really laughable to me we, we've seen how bruce arena has handled the u.s open cup he doesn't give it nearly as much uh importance as some people would like and that's a competition that actually has some value in in terms of winning it why on earth would you give value to a tournament that involves, again, teams in preseason? I don't care if it's Barcelona, Man Manchester United. And again, I, I understand that there's value to playing those teams on some level. It's just, it, it's, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Whether or not it's smart for LA to play in, in this tournament is a different question. I, from a business perspective, I'm sure it is good for them to play in this tournament. But from a soccer perspective, it just doesn't, it doesn't work out. Corey, you got anything else? Yeah, I just want to just add on to that. What you said before, and you said it perfectly, too, and I know you've written about it, it becomes much more of like a soccer conference, yeah. like the soccer conference time in America, <laughs> than it does people actually showing up to matches right. and supporting teams. You know, the amount of third-party jersey wearing is just crazy. But uh, I just want to add on, um, I'll be there on May 8th, and just, you know, congrats on uh, yeah. on moving forward with the I, new gigs. I, I appreciate that. Speaking of uh, what Corey's talking about, May 8th, the plan is for me to get my ass up to New York City and for us to have a, a bit of a, a bit of a meet, a meet and greet, a launch party for the Sirius show. Corey, I'm going to let you go. Uh, for the Sirius show, which starts May 4th, so this will be sort of the cap the first week. In fact, Corey mentioning, you know, you go through that area in Harrison, the train goes right by Red Bull Arena, so I'm hoping that... If I get the train up there, I'll be uh, I'll be taking a peek at Red Bull Arena as I go by into Manhattan. Uh, that's the that's the plan. If you're interested, by the way, if you want to be part of uh, the, we're going to call it an MLS watch party slash soccer mornings on Sirius launch party May eighth at the Football Factory in New York. Hit us up on Twitter, and we'll sh uh, we'll share with you the Facebook page invite uh, link, the the event link. I think Trevor's got one together. 
And uh, you can let us know. The more people that RSVP, the more I'll feel comfortable making the trek up. Because it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of moving parts in my life, damn it. And I'm going to have to work some things out to get my to get up there. I really do want to get up there. And this really the, the the funny thing is, and I'm gonna pull the curtain back a little bit. I feel like this is completely this is happening in New York just to benefit uh, Trevor Hayward, so he doesn't have to travel very far. <laughs> I, I that's <laughs> that's that's what this is, right? Now he's <laughs> he says, and you know, people live here. I'm just kidding. Obviously, we had two callers in a row from New York. I know we've got a big audience in New York. Again, if you're interested in joining us, having a beer with me, talking some soccer, watching the uh, the Friday night MLS matches. Hit us up on uh, on Twitter and Facebook, Soccer Morning. Find it. There is a link. You can RSVP. What's the number at right now, Trevor? I mean, I'm not sure if I should broadcast this. It might be a little depressing. Might not make us look very good. Okay, 22 people. Can we get a, can we get that up to 30 by the end of the day? Can we get 30 by the end of Tuesday? That would make me feel better. If you want to get in on this show, 646-832-3909. Tim has shared with me a a flyer for a community meeting question and answer session on the Belmont redevelopment proposal, which is, uh, this is the New York Cosmos plan. They want, they're having a a Q&A, a community meeting about their proposal. This is happening on May 7th at, uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Suenhaka, Suenhaka High School. I guess. So, uh, they're move, they're clearly trying to get this to move forward. Whether or not they, 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 whether or not they're going to get the bid remains in question. And I don't think anybody knows. It's not as though there's some sort of conduit of information coming out of the Empire State Commission that is in charge of picking who gets to redevelop the Belmont Park site. Every time I talk to Dave Martinez, he seems more, he seems to have no information, not because he's not a good reporter, not because he's not trying. But well, because nobody knows. And the Cosmos are sitting there waiting patiently. And everything we've heard says, this is their plan. Do they have a second plan? Do they have a plan B? If they don't get a 25,000-seat stadium, yeah, that's going to seem weird in NASL, but it could push the Cosmos into a different stratosphere. They don't get that. I don't know what the future holds. Brendan in California, what's up? Hey, Jason. How's it going this morning? It's going well. It's going well. It's actually not, but I'm going to pretend that it is because power of positive thinking, Brendan. Positive thinking works well. I just wanted to call in. Uh, there's a lot of NSL talk today, and uh, there's been a lot of rumors out there. I don't know if you've heard these about Detroit City FC, NPSL moving up to NPSL as soon as next year. Uh, there's reports and, and, you know, the sources saying they've met with ownership and, and you know, this is, a potential, obviously, just to the FC, um, you know, has great support, amazing supporters uh, group. And, you know, I think it would be a fantastic thing. Uh, I'm from Detroit. They have, you know, I, I think we're one of the best sports towns in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are going to get angry about this. People don't, you know, in Detroit, oh, who cares if we move up, all this. But I think it would be uh, something legitimate, something good to happen. And, you know, I can, you know, for soccer in the city, really, and I can see this, how this happening. But uh, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think Detroit is a good sports town, and despite all of the trouble that Detroit's had um, for, I don't know, what, the last couple of decades, um, they've maintained a very strong sports scene. I mean, 
the Lions are terrible, and yet they do fine. Uh, it's uh, in the stands. They got obviously a fairly new stadium. The the Red Wings are always good. I know they think they're out of the playoffs this year. I haven't really been paying to NH uh, paying attention to NHL. Uh, it's an NHL. Excuse me. I'm so used to saying NASL. Those are two. Those two things are combining. <laughs> I have I hadn't heard Detroit City and NASL. I had heard Detroit City and maybe USL. Um, regardless, a, a move up to professional soccer. If they have all of their ducks in the row and they can maintain a stable organization, I think that makes sense for Detroit. Absolutely, Detroit's the type of town that should have a professional soccer team, Brendan. Yeah, absolutely. My thoughts here on this is a lot of people, especially the supporters group, saying, you know, just support the team, who cares about the league. Um, my thoughts on this is, you know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. But with an NHL team, you get long-term professional players rather than college kids. You know, development. Uh, teams to college kids there in the summer, and you get a potential venue. Um, so I, I just think the perks are there for uh, for this to happen. The ownership wants to move up, and, and they're the ones that brought this to the city uh, really organically. So I think it's also a positive for them. It's, you know, they put in a lot of work to make this happen. It's a, uh, you know, a great ownership group there. So I just think it's all positive. And, and one other note on the ICC, uh, I almost feel that... Uh, that we almost asked for this is as MLS is in the early days. I mean, I've watched MLS for years and, and, you know, we never really got, uh, you know, any, any respect or legitimacy from, you know, European clubs if that's what people wanted. I, I never cared about that stuff, but, you know, we, we, we kind of always wanted, you know, to be a part of that group in a sense. And maybe this is one way to do it. Obviously it's, it's more of a money grab than anything, but, uh, and now that it's here and we play all these games and it's like Champions League and, and uh, our teams are pulled, you know, one way or the next. Uh, now everyone goes, oh, we're too cool for ICC. That's just a money grab. We're not going to be there. Who cares? Yeah. And, and that's from the which is understandable, but I just think, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that we evolved to this and then everyone, you know, everyone kind of wants to go back to the old ways. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it, you're right. It, it, there's, so there's something about, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, and, and clearly, if nothing else, the positives of the ICC, the, the positive signs that it shows is that there is a massive market for soccer in the U.S., even if it's not recognized, certainly at the top level of, of media and, and sports, uh, you know, sports management and the like, we, we clearly have a lot of people in the country who care about the sport. And because soccer in, in its profile is so vast and there's so many options in the way that you care about it, you can be, you know, you can be a super local guy and care about an NPSL team like, like Detroit City, or you can be, you know, a, a guy who only watches the Premier League on Saturdays and Sundays or a guy who only cares about Spain and and those are those are different you know those are different varieties of the same thing we're talking about you know a lot of different types of soccer fans in this country and and this is a way for for people to make money off of those people but also to I guess to bring some uh bring some more eyeballs to MLS I I I think I guess that's a thing I mean I'm sure you would hear uh Sporting Kansas City fans say that you know that that win they they had against Manchester United at Arrowhead, which was what I don't know seven years ago, six years ago, that that was a major part of getting some of the excitement built back up into that uh, into that team because they rebranded it either the next the year after that or the year after that. So I see what you're saying. It just I I don't know just rubs me the wrong way in the middle of the summer when there's so much stuff going on for these teams, Brennan. Oh, absolutely. Kills the momentum of the league, no question. But I agree with you. That's one thing. It is uh, fantastic for the marketing. It does bring more eyeballs on the MLS. And, and you know, it, it is funny when MLS teams do beat, let's say, when, you know, uh, they beat them at Arrowhead, like you, you referenced that Manchester United game. I remember that game. 
you know, of course, that was a huge deal for the city, and everyone celebrated that. So, and then, you know, uh, Galaxy get beat up by Madrid and Manchester United 6 7 nothing year after year over in, in, in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl, and, and it doesn't change much. So, you know, it's, a, it, it's almost, uh, you know, it's funny we, we complain about it, and then we definitely will celebrate it if we do win uh, or have any, any good run. I mean, yeah. uh, LA Galaxy had some results against Juventus and a few other things in the ICC, I think, last year, the year before, and, and people were celebrating that uh, around uh, around uh, town. Uh, so it, it's funny, but, yeah, thank you, just for taking my call. I appreciate it, man. I, I remember I remember that. Yeah. I think um, I think Omar Gonzalez scored some pretty a pretty nice goal against Juve or against Real Madrid or something at Dodger Stadium. I remember that game, and I was thinking, okay, that's great. I mean, it's a nice goal. It's great for Omar Gonzalez. I'm sure that's a big moment for him in his career to score against a team of that caliber. But, yeah, the game didn't matter. I, it, I, I don't think Robbie Keane showed up in any of those games because, again, Bruce Arena's got to protect his best players for the games that actually matter. And, and Brendan does have a point as I get ready to wrap here. We are sort of, we're spoiled. We, as, as American soccer fans, we are completely and utterly spoiled. And I, and I mean this both for the ICC and these teams coming over and playing and me kind of whining about it. That's certainly what I'm doing. And the, the TV thing, you know, when, when we have so many options to watch soccer on television and all we do is complain about the level of coverage or what the announcers say or how the graphics are presented or the, the whether or not the direction is good enough. The angles that we're spoiled. We, we, we have so much, we have so many good things happening and yet we still have to complain. I guess that's what sports fans do. I suppose human beings do maybe. All right. Please go to three nil fc.com to buy yourself a soccer morning t-shirt. Dan's got a lot of really cool new stuff happening over at three nil fc. You got to check that out. I was reading him some of his blog today. He's starting a podcast as well. So now he's a competitor, but he's starting a, a podcast on. I guess on design, I need to talk to Dan, find out what's going on over at 3 0 FC, but he is the man behind our logo, and you can get a t-shirt over there and support him and the show, so please do that. You can go to backheel.com slash store to buy yourself a soccer morning mug, which I'm showing right here, and this awesome Chuck Blazer CONCACAF baller t-shirt that I'm wearing today on the show, uh, so please do that as well. You can go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. I haven't mentioned that in a while. It helps us out a lot. Keeps us at the top of the list when it comes to people finding soccer podcasts. And, uh, you know, we think we do a pretty good job around here. And you guys are a part of it every day. That's it. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at Soccer Morning. And uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about some uh, other topics uh, tomorrow, Wednesday edition of the show. And, again, if you want to go to the party in New York City, the launch party, on Friday night, May 8th, go to the Facebook page and RSVP. See ya.